Okay, if we could uh, turn together to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, starting at verse 8. I think most of us probably already know this verse off by heart. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, that is going to be our foundational verse for the day. And I want to open with one fairly simple question. Might seem a little bit foolish, but here goes nothing. Who's better, us or God? Thank you. And even though that might have seemed like a rhetorical and rather foolish question, I really want everybody to think long and hard about this question. Because there's a lot of people in the church who might have gone the other way from us. And the truth is, many of us rely more on ourselves than we do on God. In many instances, we believe that we've got all the answers, we can figure things out, and we can get an answer that's better than God. No. That's not the way it works. But many times we think we know what we need. To an extent, we might know what we need, but God knows better. He's the creator of the universe. I think he knows better than we, we do. <laughs> and that's really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk to you all about aligning ourselves with the will of God. I want to talk to you about letting the Father, who knows better, into the driver's seat. Let him be in control. And to be honest, I find it really interesting that we've been talking about this for the last couple of months, actually, um, with Pastor Collins' Kingdom Solution series. How many of you have been here for that? Yeah, that, that's the majority of us. Um, and then last week, uh, with Brother Ken, giving a message about nourishing the spirit and one of his points being the alignment of believers with the will of God. I really don't think that the Lord is finished with this topic yet. Um, and I feel he really wants to hammer this home today. Um, so get in, to get into things, if we could all turn to the book of First Samuel, starting at chapter 10. Now, I think everybody in here knows who the first two kings of Israel were. Who were they? Saul and David. Yeah. Saul was the first anointed by God by, through Samuel to be the first king over the 12 tribes of Israel. Then succeeded by David, who was also God's anointed, and was after Saul was rejected by God, which is in chapter 15. And David defeated Goliath, who's the giant leading the Philistine army. I think we all know that in chapter 17 of the book of 1 Samuel. Now, what I want us to do, grab a handy marker here. I'm going to take you back kind of to the classroom setting How many of you remember doing a Venn diagram in school? 
Yeah. Yeah, most. Good. Because we're making one right now. I'm taking you back to school here. Ugh. That's disgusting, but whatever. <laughs> okay. So, let's go on the left side here for Saul. Right side over here for David. And in the middle, like all Venn diagrams, is going to be our similarities. And why I'm doing this will become clear in a little bit. So, why don't we start off with some similarities? What were the similarities between Saul and David? Kings, yeah. What else? Yeah, anointed. Anything else? Warriors. What else? Is that it? Had a relationship with God, at least at first. Anything else? Yeah, so that would fit under the king. Yeah. But I'm, well, one point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I think Jeannie already had said. Yeah. Yeah. Leaders. And they both had rather humble beginnings, did they not? So that's pretty much all there is for the similarities between the two. There isn't a whole lot more than they had humble beginnings, they were king, they were anointed, they were warriors. And at least at first, they had a relationship with God. Now let's get more into the differences. And this happens a little bit more after they become king. So what are the differences? Let's start over here with Saul. How is he different from David? Very good. That is one of the key points that I was looking for. Thank you, Murray. that he feared man's opinion. And just to expand on that point, we know the reason why God rejected him was because this led to a whole plethora of other problems. In particular, it led to his disobedience. And that's something that is a huge point over here. Now, those two points, we could really, we could just stop there because most of the other points are going to be related to it. The truth is that, well, in chapter 15, when God rejects Saul, he feared what people thought of him, decided to go his own way, and he started disobeying God. I think everybody knows what he did, but I'll go over it here. At the command of the Lord, the Amalekite army, now they were an invading force, they were in the land, God told them, go get rid of them. And he didn't say just the men, he said everything. Women, children, destroy all their livestock, destroy all their possessions, get rid of it all. They're wicked, they're evil, you don't want their presence in your land. That's what God told them to do. 
Instead, he feared what the people would think. He didn't follow God's command. Instead, he basically told his soldiers, take whatever you want. And so they took some of the people as slaves. They took a whole bunch of their possessions, especially their gold and silver and everything that was shiny. Um, they plundered the livestock. They kept, well, one thing was more than too much because God told them, don't keep anything. And Saul, in his wisdom, decided to take the king of the Amalekites and parade him around as a trophy. He thought so greatly about what the world thought of him that he decided to go against God's will. Decided to do his own will. And that's pretty much the big ones that I want to cover over here. What about David? Sorry? Very good. What else? What, can we, what else can we say about David? Very good. Man after God's own heart. What else? Worshipper. Very good. What else? Well, let's just touch on this. Was Saul quick to repent? No. No, if he kept saying, oh, I'm the right, even though he knew God was saying, no, no, you're not. What else about David? Mm-hmm. Did he care what people thought of him? No. He cared more about God's opinion, right? Yeah. So, unlike Saul, David was willing basically to do whatever the, whatever the Lord asked of him, right? Didn't turn to the right, didn't turn to the left, did exactly what God told him to do. Saul, on the other hand, cared so much about what the world thought of him. He said, well, my, my people over here are telling me I should do this. God's telling me I should do that. I don't fear God as much as I fear my people because they might tell me I am not going to be king anymore, even though God's the one who put me in that position in the first place. But instead, he decided to go with his people. Does that sound familiar today? Does that sound familiar in the church today? I think it does. We need more people like this, not this. But there's a lot of people out there who are like this. And I'm not going to pretend I've been there. I've been there. Everybody's been here. Every single person in here has been here. Believe me, if I were to ask who's been here, every single hand should go up because everyone's been there. <laughs> okay. So those represent the two different types of people who are in the church today. 
those who are willing to follow their own will, Saul, those who are willing to follow the will of the Lord, or at least do their absolute best to do so, which are like David. Now, I, I want to make clear, you're never going to get it all right all the time. You won't. I won't. Pastor Colin won't. Zach won't. Rosemary won't. Josh won't. Absolutely no one in here will be on the ball all the time. And that's just because we still are going to battle with our flesh. We are going to battle with that fallen nature that's trying to get back up out of his grave even though we put him there. He wants to come back. And it's going to be that way until Jesus comes back to get us. It, it is going to be that way. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's the way it's going to be. The difference is, though, we need to be willing to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance, not our own. Now, those who are similar to Saul, who are in the church, are constantly off doing their own thing, doing everything their own way, not inquiring of the Lord, and they'll only ever turn to God, they'll only ever turn to the Lord when they're in a time of crisis. When we look through scripture, did Saul ever turn to the Lord but when he was in time of crisis? Did he ever say, God help me in the little things? No, it was only when he was having a massive issue when he was having issues with demons plaguing his mind, when he was having issues with the Philistine army. He didn't go to God in the little things. He went to God in the big things, but that was only because he knew he had no other option. That was it. And again, we've all been there. We have all been at a stage in our lives where we're like Saul. We only go to God when we need him. Most of the time, it's when we're either new to our faith, we're going through a rough patch or a dry season. Those are the few things. And the only thing we can think of when we have a crisis in those instances is to turn to God. And half the time, we still do not rely on him. And that's just because we're in panic. We're in panic mode. We're scared out of our minds. Our brain's going a million miles an hour. We can't think of anything. But we don't want to leave room for God to think of anything either. We just want the, uh, the first thoughts that we have to be giving us the easiest way out of whatever hole we've dug ourselves in. We want the fastest, easiest way out when faced with crisis scenarios. Sometimes that means we will turn to a trusted friend or family member. But like I say, those who are like Saul, they're only ever going to turn to God out of their greatest need. Instead, they'll turn to their own knowledge or the knowledge of those who I've just described, friends and family. Again, we've all been there. But those who are like David, they're going to be turning to God first. Now, I want to make something clear. The people who are like David, including David himself, was not perfect. Nobody 
has ever walked the earth who was perfect aside from Jesus? End of story, period, exclamation mark. But even though we all have our struggles, it just means that God still has to work on us in those areas. But those who are turning to God first, even in the little things, they've got a leg up on the rest of us. They know that God is higher than us. They know that he had the solution before we even thought to ask. He had the solution before time began. Now, before we go any further, we're going to make another one of those. Another Venn diagram. Oh yeah, I'm really going off with the classroom thing here. <laughs> so everybody's good. I can erase what's here. Wonderful. Okay, so this one's going to be a little different. We're going to have our will or human will on one side, and we're going to have God's on the other. So, is there any similarities between our will and God's? No. No, not, e not even close, so I'm just going to cross all of this out because it's not needed. So why don't we start off with God's will this time? What can we say about God's will? Yeah. Let everyone be saved. And I heard somebody say perfect. Yeah, good. What else? Yeah. I'm just going to shorten that up and write to prosper because I don't feel like writing all of that out. Um, anything else that we can put over here? Yep. Now, beside perfect, I'm just going to write holy. Now, we could go on and make a massive list here, couldn't we? The thing is, all of it is summed up in that one point, that it's perfect and holy. And we could have just stopped right there. Because that would have alone been enough to tell us God's better than us. God knows better. What about us? What about human will? Uh-huh. This could be a massive list. <laughs> Stubborn. Easy way out. Anything else? Selfish. Flesh led. Thank you, Gordon. Yeah, rational mind. I'm just going to add one in here. Flawed. Thank you, Arnold. Disobedient. We could go on and make a massive list on this side too, couldn't we? Of every way that we are not like God. Every way that our flesh wants us to screw up 
Something I want to ask, and there's a lot of parents in here. How many of you, when your child asked for something that you knew was not good for them, how many of you gave it to them? Okay, there's a couple hands. That's okay. We're human. But most hands stayed down. That's a good thing. Because the thing is, God is like that. When he knows there's something bad for you, when he knows that there's something that's not supposed to be in your life, do you think he's going to give it to you? No. The only time that he might, and this is a big might, is if he's trying to teach you something. That's the only reason why he may do that. And again, it's a big might as to whether or not he'd do that. Most of the time, he's just going to say no. But a lot of us, in our human will, in our disobedient, flawed, selfish will, we're asking God to give us those bad things. We're asking him, oh, I want this, God. You should just give it to me. Oh, I want that over there. I want that over there. And God's looking at us like, are you crazy? Do you seriously think that's a good idea? I ain't giving you that. But for some goofy reason, we think that he should. We think we can manipulate his sovereignty into giving us everything that we want. And that's something that I want people to understand. God's will is perfect, and his sovereignty is his own. You're not going to get him to do whatever you want whenever you want it. It doesn't work that way. He does whatever he wants whenever he wants it. And something that we really, really have to remember over the... Especially nowadays, because there's so much more out there that's tempting... We have to remember God knows better. Link it back right to our foundational verse. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. But, like I said, a lot of time we think we know better. But, we don't. That means we have to live according to the knowledge of God. And we should all know the verse, Proverbs 3, 5. It's actually my favorite verse. To trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's a verse to live by. But how exactly are we to connect with the will of God? Well, we know we have to rid ourselves of our flesh. Yeah, We have to get rid of our fallen nature. As Paul said, we literally have to kill it every day. Said that Galatians 5.24. But after that, we have to do another thing in order to align ourselves with the will of God. And this is where it's going to sound really weird, but we have to be broken. 
And I know, I know there's a couple of confused looks out there right now, and that's okay. Because I know it's going to sound really weird, but I want you to hear me out. Now, I don't think I'm ever going to forget um, a sermon that I heard by a pastor. I think he's in the Philippines. His name is Dr. Peter Tan Chi. Really amazing speaker. Um, and I listened to a sermon of his called Be Broken, Be Blessed. Very, very powerful message. If you ever get the chance, I encourage you, go check it out. He explains this way better than I will. Um, where he really talked about how being broken before God isn't a show of being weak. It's not a show of being torn down and at your lowest necessarily. Doesn't mean you're hitting rock bottom, but it means you're being humble and you're letting God piece you back together the way you're supposed to be. It's about breaking that fallen nature that we have to pieces and letting God build us up in the way that we're supposed to be built. And truth is, unless we're willing to let the things in our life that are a part of that fallen nature break, we're never going to fully be who God wants us to be. And Dr. Tanchi, who I just talked about, talked in his sermon about a type of Japanese artwork where they are able to take a cup or dish that's been broken and they rebuild it with gold. So there's literal veins of gold running through this, this piece of glass. Think about when God rebuilds you. When you let yourself be broken before God, think about what God uses to rebuild you. You're so much more precious to him than any gemstone on this planet. What do you think he's going to be using to rebuild you? It's not going to be gold. It's going to be something far more precious. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that he's rebuilding you with. Isn't that absolutely amazing? Now, next, something that we really, really need to be doing is inquiring of the Lord constantly. Now, uh, I know Pastor Colin really covered that in his Kingdom Solution, but I'm going over it again because, like I said, the Lord really wants me to hammer this home. And something that I do personally is see what God wants me to do in the little things. Am I perfect at it? No. But I'll give you an example. When I'm working on my assignments, most of you know I'm a university student, but when I'm working on my assignments, before I even start, even on the littlest assignment, which we have, which are called uh, discussion posts, where I'm just talking with some of my peers, I will actually pray a prayer in quiet before I even begin. I will say, okay, God, I know you're better than me. I know you can come up with ideas way better than I can. Lord, would you guide me? That's what I do with every assignment. I always start off with a prayer. 
Like I said, I do that with the littlest assignments. I don't just do that when I get to a big test. Because believe me, I could just do that and say, oh, well, there's a big test coming over here. Big test. Lord, I need your help. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll help you, but why didn't you come to me for the small things? Why didn't you come to me when you were doing this? So I do every single assignment that way. Every assignment, every test, everything. I always say, okay, Lord, I need your help. And I know that seems really simple, but it works. The moment that you give the Holy Spirit permission to take over in your life, he's going to. The thing is, you can't actually, um, how best to put this? The Holy Spirit will not come in unless you actually let him. He's never going to force it on you. And that's just the way his love works. Hence the reason he gave us free will. Yeah? Now, when you give the Holy Spirit permission to take over, he absolutely will. And that includes what to declare out in authority. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I want to ask you, have you ever noticed that when you're declaring sometimes something does not work? It doesn't work well for you? Well, I want to ask you, did you ask with proper intentions? Did you ask according to God's will? Or were you asking according to your own? So here's the thing. If you're not seeking to fill or fulfill God's will, you're seeking to fulfill your own. Your flesh is coming back up and saying, I want this. And you're again trying to force God to do what he or what you want him to do. Doesn't work that way. And the Lord even talked about this in the book of James, chapter 4, 3. How many of you know that verse off by heart? Yeah. And it goes, when you ask, you do not receive because you're asking with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And Pastor Colin kind of touched on this, but he glossed over it in his Kingdom Solution series, that when we are asking for or declaring anything, we have to be sure that it's in alignment with the will of God. If it's not in alignment with God, what's the likelihood of it actually happening? What's the likelihood that it's coming from selfishness? What's the likelihood that it's coming from this? Thing is, God's not selfish. He is the most selfless being in the universe. Uh, I said it when I was talking about the rapture several months ago that if God really wanted to, he could have been selfish. He could have wiped us all out and said, yeah, I'm done with these dang humans. I am finished with them. They have ticked me off more times than I can count. I'm done with them. But he's not that selfish. He's selfless. He loves us so dang much that he wants what's best for us. which is why we need to be asking. We need to be inquiring of the Lord all the time. We need to be saying, okay, God, what do you want for me in this scenario? 
Don't let it be what I want. Let it be what you want. And don't get me wrong. I am not fully there yet. I don't think anybody in here is fully there yet. But that's a way, that's a way that God is working on me. He's wanting me to start inquiring of him in those little things. He wants everybody in here to inquire of him in the little things. Because remember the verse, if you're faithful with little, you're going to be faithful with much. Where's that located again? I can't remember off the top of my head. No? Nobody? Okay, well, we'll just leave it for right now. But just make sure that it is God's will, not your own. Not my will, but God's will. Everything kind of makes sense? No? Okay. Because the truth is, God really wants you to let him be in the driver's seat. He wants you to get out of the dang car, hop in the passenger seat, let him be the driver. He knows where you need to go. He knows the destination that you need to be at. So let him do that. Let him be in control. God wants so badly to be in control so that we're not going to drive ourselves off a cliff by going down the wrong paths, asking for the wrong things, or just straight up being a goofball. Let the Lord take control. Trust me, that's going to be worth it in your lives. If you'd all be willing to bow with me in a word of prayer. <coughs> Lord, we just want to thank you for, for what you do. Lord, we want to say, have your way in our lives. Lord, don't let us be guided by our flesh. Don't let us be guided by our own will and desires. Let us be guided by you. And Lord, I just want to repent for every time that I have not listened to you, that I have just about driven myself off a cliff. Lord, just I ask your forgiveness in that area. I know I'm not perfect, and I'm not going to be completely perfect until you come back to get us, as is the same with everyone in here. So, Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. We give you thanks. You are the good, good father. You are that good parent who's going to give us what we need. Lord, just have your way in our lives. Amen. Now, if you would all stand with me and receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and fill you with his peace. Amen. Have an awesome week, everybody. Thank you all for being here today. 
I know it was cold this morning. So thank you all for being here.